Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Steve Rosenblum. We suck, so your self-quarantine doesn't have to. Mark Grody. I think there will be lasting derivatives of this once we get through it, and hopefully we will. Um, with minimal damage, that um, people will be more aware, honestly, of washing their hands and um, good thing. and apparently wiping. Apparently wiping. They suck, so you don't have to. They can do what they have to do. They know what they have to do. Now they don't have any problem getting it done. Phone members of the WB Club. Wake and they come on. Where's Toby? So I'm practicing, you know, social distancing and. I have a few tips for everybody, you know, you know, no sharing pipes or joints, things like that. The three words that describe this show, and I quote, stink, stank, stunk. It's Saturday suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Saturday suckage, Saturday, so you know what day of the week it is, Saturday suckage here, Steve Rosenblum, and hi Mark Rohde, how are you Mark Oh hi Rody? Steve, I am doing very well, I um, have just um, gotten a, my third cup of coffee out of, I had to reheat, it was in the microwave, and now I am sipping on it, here we go, here we go. Put that coffee ah. down. <laughs> Coffee's for closes only. Oh, no, I'm ready to close here, man. We got so much great stuff going on. The NFL plows forward with full schedules, including the Chicago Bears. Um, We have much to discuss here today, Mr. Rosenblum. Right, we have NBA. uh, Adam Silver had a a meeting with all the all-players meeting, and we have... Stuff on that, what they hope to do. Everybody's got a plan. Baseball's cutting down its draft and drafting yet another plan and hoping to play. The NHL talked about a 2014 playoff, which is the only way the Blackhawks would make the playoffs with or without John McDonough, but that was that was being kicked around. And last night, you, you talked about the Bears' schedule, but last night, yesterday on Twitter... 
Deshaun Watson tweeted something out of a discussion that he said the Bears never talked to me. I never talked to the Bears. And and that was the 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 point of the point of um, conflict because Deshaun Watson was passed over by Ryan Pace. Pat Mahomes was passed over by Ryan Pace. Ryan Pace traded up to take the disaster known as Mitch Trubisky. So the there was research done, and the Rich Eisen show had, <clears throat> leading up to the draft, had Deshaun Watson on. And here is the clip from that show that uh, contradicts what Deshaun Watson tweeted yesterday which teams have you visited let's walk through it which teams have knocked on the deshaun watson door say let's uh let's chat give me some names um, please i have uh the kansas city chiefs the cleveland browns jacksonville jaguars um the san fran uh 49ers mm-hmm. Arizona cardinals and then houston texans um the jets and the buffalo bills um and i've talked to some teams on on the phone uh, like Chicago and Baltimore and just a whole bunch of different teams. Okay, so so there it is. The Bears did talk to him, and much was made of it when the uh, Tribune ran a story that, that went through every step, everything that somebody did, that everybody did, everybody involved, Mahomes, Watson, Pace, John Fox at the time. Now, Pace and Fox were at the Clemson Pro Day, they, it's hard to believe they go to the Clemson Pro Day and not talk to Deshaun Watson. But but much was made of Deshaun Watson and getting a phone, uh, getting no meeting. There was nothing. The Bears set up no meeting while they had dinner with Mitch and Ryan Pace found his car and his ability to make a dinner reservation cute, and that's what resounds to this day. So, we keep coming back to this, Mark Grody. I don't think it's ever going to leave us, do you think? Especially since the the Bears do play the Houston Texans this year. Now, it's in the latter portion of the schedule, so it'll be a while before that gets uh, reopened again. But, uh, no, of course it's never going to. It'll be lived down properly. The next time the Bears have a winning season, if if that occurs this year, if the Bears have a season like they did two years ago, then people aren't going to be talking about it. Because if the Bears have a season like they had two years ago, that would probably suggest that they were they are having some degree of success with the quarterback. But this is a case of the Bears and Ryan Pace specifically falling in love with with one guy that they seem to do. A little bit of work on Patrick Mahomes. They apparently did have a conversation with Deshaun Watson um, in terms of something that was scheduled, but the guy that they they had, you know, right in their eyes was Mitchell Trubisky, and that was the guy that their scouting department liked, that Ryan Pace liked, and that they went obviously they went all out for him. And, and you don't need to look further than the fact that they moved up to the second overall pick in the draft to get him. And right now, it is looking like they may have set their sights on the wrong guy. Yeah, well, when Pat Mahomes was named MVP and then Pat Mahomes won a Super Bowl, 
I don't know, those seemed like good opportunities to fire Ryan Pace. Do you think that what Deshaun Watson did was a matter of forgetfulness? Or was it intentional the way Mahomes, when he was beating the Bears and, and, and after a touchdown, starting using his fingers to count to 10, which is where he was drafted, as opposed to two, where the Bears took Mitch Trubisky. Do you think this is Deshaun Watson doing the same kind of trolling? Well, wasn't wasn't he egged on a little bit on Twitter to come out and say that the Bears never talked to him? I can't remember who the broadcaster was, that somebody had said something about it having nothing to do with race, and that's why he came out and talked about this? I believe it was out of a Doug Gottlieb show. Yeah, 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 that's it. Yeah, yeah. But, well, whatever. I mean, it, 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 it was clearly we, he, he had said, at least to Rich Eyes in the clip we played earlier, that he, the Bears had talked to him. The Bears had other ideas. And Deshaun Watson uh, had, uh, working against him, he was an injury uh, risk. He had, he had dealt with that. And there was, but at the same time, he was a champion. He was a guy at, at Clemson, a big-time Place and Ryan Pace fell in love with a guy who was Mr. Ohio football. Couldn't get a couldn't get anything from the biggest biggest um, school in Ohio and went to yeah. North Carolina and couldn't beat out a guy in the XFL or a guy couldn't beat out a guy who would end up playing in the XFL. And we I gotta go back to how yeah. I I don't know how you felt about it at the time, like when you had these. Those three guys that yep. obviously the, that were all swirling around with the Bears in the draft, and I'll be honest with you, like I, the the guy that we knew the most about because he played for the most high-profile team and was doing the most winning was Deshaun Watson. Patrick Mahomes seemed like he was way in the background. There wasn't, I mean, obviously he was a a guy that scouts liked, but nobody knew the superstar caliber that he would become. Mitchell Trubisky was probably the least known in terms of the, the public because of North Carolina and because of his, the very little experience that he had had. When they selected Mitchell Trubisky, I didn't have a problem with it because I kind of looked at all three as, as somewhat equal in terms of prospects and guys that move the meters and guys that I would be excited about, I was willing to say, okay, you know. And it's not like there was a whole lot of other teams, considering where Mahomes and Watson were ultimately picked, that were, like, vying for and salivating over and moving up to get. So when I look back to Trubisky having been drafted, I I was not up in arms over it. Um, I was not... PO to buy. I actually remember. I remember where I was. I was, I was working <laughs> out, in uh, the for the. I was working with the Cubs. I was in a workout room with. And, oh, this is great. Actually, I was with Tommy Hadovy, the Cubs' current pitching coach, and he was just doing behind the scenes stuff back then. He was in the same workout room as I was. It was a tiny workout room, and he. I will say this about Tommy Hadovy, he was all excited about Patrick Mahomes because he's a Chiefs fan, and he was telling me how great he's going to be. He's the only one that I know, Tommy Hadovy, 
that actually knew that Patrick Mahomes was going to be great. <laughs> and that's probably well, because he's a Chiefs fan. And also because he's a pitching coach, Shan, who Mahomes' <laughs> father yeah. was. So I think there was yeah. there was some of that. You know what I thought of immediately? Once Ryan Pace did this, this was this was Rick Meyer. This was Wani's Wani's trade for Rick Meyer in, in tied to him and that their fortunes would be the same. They would have a parallel a parallel ride to success or failure. And Mitch has failed, and Ryan Pace still has a job. Unbelievably, still has a job, because Ryan Pace gets paid to be right about the most important position on the field. And all that talk about coming from New Orleans, and I saw Drew Brees, and and I did this, and I did that, and the one big move is for the worst of the three quarterbacks. And um, some, some numbers that underscore this, uh, Adam Shine of Mad Dog Radio and CBS Sports Network, that Watson ranks, leads the NFL in game-winning drives with 10 and fourth-quarter comebacks eight over the last two seasons. Mitch Trubisky ranks among quarterbacks to start 40-plus games since 2017. He is last in completions, last in passing yards, last in yards per attempt, last in passing TDs, last in TD percentage. This is the guy that Ryan Pace bet his career on. Only Ryan Pace gets to still have a career. So, and then when the first game of the year, the NFL announces the schedule, and the first game of the year is Mahomes and Watson. So there you go. There's the, <laughs> the Ryan Pace failure bowl right there, the oops bowl. So well, the Bears schedule was released. And so I have two questions. One is, what do you think? And if they play this thing, are you going to – how are you going to feel standing on the sideline? Are you going to have any trepidations? Are you going to be comfortable? I, I hope they let me on the sidelines, you know. I mean, oh. that's – I mean, from okay. a selfish standpoint, I, I am – I guess I'm just going worst case scenario and thinking cynically as possible that, you know, I, I hope that I'm allowed down there, but you know, um, I'm, I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure. I mean, maybe I'm being stupid to even question that because there, look, there's not, there's not going to be fans of games this year. That's, that's pretty obvious, but no, I, I have no problem doing it because I, if they're going to let the players on the field and play, I am, Assuming there will be extensive, obsessive, constant testing for anybody entering that field of play or even entering the building. So, yeah, as far as like going on the sidelines, I man, I, I hope I'm a part of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's um, I I wasn't sure. It struck me that you you would have proximity. You could stay away and 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 be able to do what you needed to do. You could. St- keep your six feet, 10 feet, 10 yards apart and still be able to, to do your job. However, being down on the sideline would be another issue. And what would they allow? Who would they allow in period? So, uh, and every every league is, is fighting with us. How are we going to do this? And the NFL seems, the, the money gained from ticket revenue, from day of game stuff, seems less um, than in the NFL than other sports. There's a, there's 40 to 50% of um, the turnstile. And that what that means is the not just the cost of the ticket, but in other leagues, the cost of the ticket and parking, concessions, merch, all that kind of stuff seems to be a greater percentage than it would be in the NFL because they're massive TV deals. They just have to get 
on the field. And so, do you have the Bears going 16 and 0, Mark? Oh well, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, obviously, this is that's what this time of the year is for. It's, <laughs> it's for 16 and 0. Uh, real quick, uh, go Bears! Too. Uh, Mark, how could you have how could you have had 13 game Mitch and national champ Watson as equal? Very simply, there oftentimes in college football there is not a correlation with winning and being great NFL players. That's all. And I, I, I admit, too, full disclosure, I don't watch a lot of, of college football. Um, but, you know, it, that, that's not always the, the correlation we can make between college and the pros. We've seen we could do a whole we could do a whole list, Steve, on guys that were great in college, that were winners in college, that were national champs in college, that it for whom it did not translate for the NFL level. Yeah. I mean, I'm wrong. I mean, I'm wrong. <laughs> but, wow. you know, that's the way it goes. Well, we will, uh, we'll, we'll discuss Bears yeah. and Bears. Bulls uh, with uh, someone who has called their games, and um, his name is Adam Amin. So we'll take a break here on Saturday Suckage, and when we come back, we'll meet our first guest of the day. We thank you for listening. We hope to to make your we hope, we hope to suck so your self quarantine doesn't have to. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody, Chicago Sports Radio, six seventy the score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Right back to David Montgomery. Look at that stutter step. Patient. The third-round pick is in for his first NFL touchdown. What a stutter step to bounce it outside. A Bears highlight, whenever it was, should mean the preseason. That was our next guest calling it. Welcome in to Saturday Suckage. Steve Rosen with Mark Grody, and we go to the Alpamonte Ford hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park. Joining us now is the voice of that highlight, Bears preseason, Adam Amin. Adam, welcome to The Score. Thanks for joining us today. I, I really do love the title of this show, the, the name of this show. I really do. You guys, you guys played it perfectly. It, they're, they're, it, Saturday Suckage, is, is, it made me laugh immediately. I hope you guys know that. Well, I, I appreciate you joining us, and we, we used to be just the whole suckage part. We suck so you don't have to, but but now the Saturday part has become more important so people know what day it is. <laughs> we're, try, we're all trying to navigate. Like I, I read this, this article about how your brain has a, an uncanny knack of being able to place yourself in any moment in time based on an event that happened there. 
when there's no events that are happening in your lives, like it's hard to pinpoint exactly how fast or slow time is moving. And I think that epitomizes what the last couple months have been like. It has been, it has been an interesting, what have you been doing then in your, your isolation, your quarantine? What have you been doing? A man who we called, who is called sporting events and would call some bulls games and you're calling friends. What have you been doing? <laughs> yeah. Trying to stay connected. Obviously that's, that's certainly helpful in the, in this time of isolation and things like that. But and, and again, let me also say in the, in the in the macro sense, very very fortunate to be in you know the situation that that a lot of us are in. You know, for for a lot of us, we can you know take care of ourselves and our families and things like that. No, not everybody is is, uh, is in the same position. So I certainly take uh, you know take some solace in that. In, in the micro sense, it's a, it's you know you you really have uh, nothing going on. So it's it's trying to absorb as much content as possible. I guess you know how much. How much Netflix and, and Madden can one person uh, really consume in one day? And I think we've tested the limits. We've tested the limits of that uh, experiment often over the course of this last several weeks. Adam, it is uh, good to hear your voice, my friend. Um, there is one sport right now for which there might be hope, might be hope for regularity and the full season, maybe, maybe, and that would be the the NFL. You have covered Bears preseason games the, the last couple of years, and I'm assuming that you're going to be doing that again this year. What is your outlook on the NFL, and how have you enjoyed doing those Bears games? Uh, it's, it's been great being a being a small part of uh, of this organization the last couple of years. Just you know, getting to introduce the team. You know, that's always a fun time when you're at the you know at, at the ground level of it for the start of a season. Whether the season is successful or not, you know, there's always that hope at the beginning of the year. So being a part of that right out of the gate is is very fun, and it's uh, it can be very rewarding, especially you know when we started in 2018. The expectation we didn't really know what the expectation was, right? And then suddenly they have this 12-win season, and, and you get to be kind of on the ground floor of that and, and see it from the start. And, uh, you know, when the expectations are high like they were last year, you know, you, you go into that preseason with that much more excitement. It's, it's a little strange going into it this year, thinking about it. And obviously we're still, you know, months away from it, but it's, it's going to come on us very, you know, much quicker than, than we even realize. Uh, the season's going to be here, if, assuming we have one. It's not that far away. So, Kind of, dot, you know, getting a chance to look at what the potential of the roster is. Obviously, having a headlining quarterback potential battle, you know, for for a starting job that obviously has some fascination to it as we get closer and closer. So, I'll be interested to see what the outlook is like. I I, I get the general sense that despite some of the consternation around the quarterback position, I do feel like whether they address all their needs or not, I do feel like the Bears got better. Uh, and you'd hope that they can improve on an 8-8 eight eight record, considering that a lot of the defensive talent is there. They have dealt with a, a significant you know, number of injuries, especially up front with Akeem Hicks. And you hope that if the offensive line is solidified, uh, there's, there's a real shot to get back into, the con- into contention for the division. And this was still a team in, in, a, in a North division that was very competitive, as expected last year, that was still in the hunt come Week 12, Week 13, uh, to try to be in, at least in the mix for a playoff spot. And that's... There, there's no reason you should not want to go into a season with at least that as an expectation to be in contention when you're into week 12, 13, 14, 15. You, you should be with this level of talent if they're healthy in contention. We're talking with Adam Amin. You've heard him on Bears preseason games when we were when we knew we were going to have Bears preseason games. We're not sure about this now. 
and we're talking some Bears football on the score. The acquisition of Nick Foles would kind of tell you that that who that quarterback's going to be. The cynic in me says Nick Foles gets hurt a lot. Nick Foles is has experienced success only coming off the bench and only with the Eagles. So how would you assess it in a in someone whose whose eyes are probably not as cynical as mine? <laughs> well, let's not make any assumptions about the level of cynicism we walk <laughs> oh, into this with, Steve. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, no, I, it's, it's a fair question. And, and I think, you know, this, this is what we look at when we look at the Cowboys now, right? And obviously Dallas being a, a national headline often uh, over the course of, a, of an offseason, uh, you know, to bring in somebody like an Andy Dalton as, as a $3 million backup, you know, it, it doesn't cost them that much. And you can debate the merits of whether you, you went overboard for somebody like a Foles where, or you, you would have preferred to get somebody in free agency. The fact is Nick Foles has a pedigree. Uh, and, and whether it's the, the top flight pedigree that you hope to have in a starting quarterback or not, he's got a ring. And he was a major part in a significant level of game to get Philadelphia to that point. And he's got experience, like you said, similar to what we talk about with Andy Dalton, we, we, I think in this league where we've seen quarterback injury be a bigger and bigger factor, as you get more athletic quarterbacks who are going to take more hits because they're working out of the pocket and have the skill set to be able to do that, you're going to take more hits. You're going to be in harm's way more often. And the need for a veteran backup and the need for a backup in general, whether it's going to be Foles or not, if Foles, let's say, I'm just saying under the assumption, let's say Nick Foles is your backup, that's a veteran backup that you're going to need. And frankly, at this level, and in, in the last five or six years, the way the game has changed at the quarterback position and the way it's going to continue to evolve, the, the need for a second quarterback is going to be that much more drastic. And I think the Bears, at the very least, whether, again, you can debate the merits of Foles or not, to have somebody like that is key. Now, if you want to bring him in to challenge Mitch Trubisky, now you have somebody, if Trubisky is on the bench, you have somebody who at least has a feel for the offense, who has started a significant number of games over the last two years, I think it's a good move to have somebody like that. You can debate whether you wanted Foles or not, but to have somebody like that is more and more important now than it ever has been. Yeah, and, and I'm also, I agree with you that the, the improvements that the, the Bears have made are, are real this, this offseason, and they're not far removed from a 12-win season. That said, in the expanded playoffs, I do think that it is possible for the Bears to go back to the playoffs in 2020, but... Can you tell us what you think of the rest of the division? Because we are so Bears-centric here. What You know what I mean? Break down the rest of the division for us. Let's start with the headliner, right? Green Bay is obviously going to be top of mind considering who they have at quarterback and, and some of the consternation there around that's around the position. You know, after, after the Jordan Love draft pick for Green Bay, you know, what is Aaron Rodgers thinking? What is he feeling going into a season, a second year with Matt LaFleur, when, remember, there was a lot of friction to start that relationship. And obviously it ended up fine, and they, they made a good push towards the end of the season. But, you know, there was, there was some friction there right out of the gate. So how is that going to play out in year two after Rodgers feels like, you know, he might be looking shoulder again or that they didn't do enough for him in the draft or maybe, you know, if they don't make enough moves during free agency or whatever it may be. How is that roster going to play out? I do think Green Bay has continued to get better defensively. They've gotten a lot more young talent on their defense the last two seasons through the draft and free agency. Adrian Amos among those those pickups. I think Jair Alexander is going to be a really good cornerback. Mike Neal's a dominant guy up front. They have a great linebacking core that they've drafted. Detroit, I have a lot of questions about. 
as most people seem to do because mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like or I, I haven't been convinced of their ro- any roster overhaul that would improve their defense. I don't see enough of a running game in terms of help for Matthew Stafford just yet. And, uh, and for Minnesota, you know, we saw the up and down nature of what it's like to have different quarterbacks in a different system, and they're still trying to figure things out in a transition period. So, again, do I think this will be a competitive division? Absolutely. I think partially because there's a lot of questions surrounding each of the four teams in the division, but that's how we kind of felt going into last year, too. We figured, I figured Green Bay's defense would get a little bit better. I figured Rodgers would still be a productive offensive quarterback. So uh, we go into this season with a lot of the same queries and quandaries about the rest of the division as we did a year ago, and that's, that, that's going to point towards another competitive year of the division. Our guest is Adam Amin. You've heard him on Bears preseason games. You've also heard him call Bulls regular season games back when the Bulls had a regular season. So I would imagine, Adam, you, like the rest of the world, that without real sports, without live sports, you've turned into the last dance, and that's become a live sport, and we break it down as if it were a live sport. So I imagine you've been watching it. What are your thoughts on that? Isn't it interesting to litigate, like relitigate something in the era of social media when it happened in an era before social media? I think that's, that's one of the more fascinating uh, social experiments. I think of uh, watching the last dance these last few weeks and, and the excitement level that surrounded it, you know, and, and will continue to do so these next two weeks. Uh, it, it's been, you know, I was 11 when the Bulls won their last championship in 98. So the formative years, my formative years as a fan were shaped by that, that group, those teams, that group of players, you know, that core group. So to relive a lot of these things and, and, uh, and you guys have more experience in the, in Chicago sports than I do. And you have, you know, very, you know, rich histories and understanding what, what those teams meant to this city. It's fascinating to now go back and watch not just the headlines, which a lot of us had a sense of, but to hear the nuanced and granular details about how all of this took place, how the Atlantic City thing went down, and what the context of all of it was. Because at my age, when you're, you know, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 years old, you're not really looking for context about why Michael Jordan is going to Atlantic City, nor do you really care. Your only concern is, did the Bulls win another game, and did they beat the Knicks, and, and are they winning this series? So uh, to kind of relitigate it in the era of social media to see how people perceive it, how current players perceive it, uh, it's absolutely fascinating to me. Yeah, that's funny, man, because you, if you're that young when – you know the, the final bull season of championship is is going on. That's a that's like an emotional age. When I when I was that young, yeah. like I just thought everybody was incredible and all. Like like Dave Kingman was my favorite player, and then I, I grow up and I find I find out that he was like a bad guy, um, and, and all these horrible things about my heroes. Like is any is there any part of it that's like that for you? Like no, this is not how I saw things. No, I don't want to hear about Michael Jordan gambling. <laughs> I actually, I think part of the humanization of him has actually appealed to me more now as a a, a person in his thirties. That you know the, that human side of somebody, the flawed human being that he is. Because when you're when it's very easy to be idealistic in your in your twenties and and in your teens. And then when you get to your 30s, it, it is a significant jump in how you perceive things. And you realize yeah. how, how flawed you, you, you yourself are as a person. At least I, <laughs> I certainly have. And you kind of look for that as a human, humanizing factor in other people, especially people like Michael Jordan, who have such a, a global 
icon level of pedigree to them. So to see this and and have more of an understanding of how this has gone down rather than letting it shift how I felt emotionally as a teen and kind of giving, giving like 11 year old Adam a little bit of a break, you know, and saying, no, it's okay. You can still pay attention to the wins and losses. I, as a 30 something will now try to perceive this a little bit differently as an adult. I think the humanizing factor of it, of, of Jordan during these, you know, six episodes so far, and he's going to, you know, from all, all these reports, it looks like episode seven is the one that everybody's going to be shocked by that Jordan approved this. I, I also understand that, this is a Michael Jordan production, you know, essentially. I'm aware that he is in control of a significant portion of the narrative, but I'm excited about episode seven tomorrow night because that's the one that's been billed as the one everyone was shocked that Jordan even approved. So man, that might even humanize him a little bit more. Or as you as you said, it may put you over the top and think, man, he wasn't really that good of a guy, was he? I hope that's not the case, but we'll find out tomorrow. What people were talking about, our guest is Adam Amin here on The Score. Uh, what people were talking about, at what caught your... What, what do you think is the, the big, the, what people will be talking about Monday regarding episode seven? Well, it looks like that's the episode where Steve Kerr uh, and, and Michael Jordan get into a fight, you know, in, in practice. And you start to see how much he drilled his teammates. You know, the, the, the stories about him and his interactions with Will Perdue, uh, with Kerr, how he was in practice. Got, you know, there are guys that said he never spoke to me except to yell at me in practice or in a game. And, and like he never said another word to me otherwise, and and to see a little bit of that might, at least the 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 the, the you know lead up to it, the tease into this is to say, well maybe your version of what Michael Jordan is in your head is going to be a lot different after you see how he did interact with his teammates because it's not something we necessarily champion now. We don't necessarily champion guys who are just screaming at their teammates if they are the alpha of that particular group. So. You know, I think perception of that has changed over the last 20 years, just how we, how we feel about you know, the, the interaction between teammates and opponents. It's very different. It's, it's kind of fun to see what the throwback was like 25 years ago and what the hatred, what felt like real hatred between a lot of these guys when they played each other. It's a lot different then than it is now, and I'll be curious to see how, if at all, the perception changes of Jordan after we see what he did in practice and how he kind of rode his teammates. Adam, I want to ask you about you. You are what I call a, a pop-up broadcaster, and this is a good thing. This is a great thing because it, it means that you pop up everywhere on my radio, on my television, and you do, and 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 it is quality over quantity, my friend. I see you everywhere. What's that lifestyle like? And are you centered? And I know you're from here. Are, are do you center yourself in Chicago still? Yeah, uh, you know, being I'm, I'm right right in the loop, and uh, I, I'm right in the heart of the city, and uh, I've been here for you know six seven years now at this point, and it's uh, <laughs> thank you for that, but I, I do I feel feel very much like a carnival whack-a-mole right now. That's what I pictured as soon as you said pop up broadcaster. So I think that that should be the perception of me. Just I pop up, say a word, you can hit me in the head, and I'll go away. But uh, <laughs> take care, bye bye. No, it's uh, it's uh, it's you know when when we are under quote unquote normal circumstances, it's. It's a life that I've I've enjoyed to, to be able to do all the things that I get to do, you know, with, with a lot of great people. You know, that's what the you know last nine years at ESPN has been like, and it's uh, I've been very very fortunate to not only get to do a lot of great events and cover some great sports and great players and coaches, but to work with people that I really really have become close to, and and that's been one of the great joys of 
of getting a, a lot of fortunate opportunities over this uh, almost a decade now. So it's been it's been great, and I do miss it, and I'm looking forward to to, to getting back at it. This is great time, you know, for for to, to be reflective and and to try to you know uh, you know be appreciative as much as uh, someone in in our you know in our positions can possibly be. Uh, I try to be, you know, try to have that perspective and try to be appreciative, but I'm looking forward to going back and, and hitting the road again and, and getting to cover games and, uh, and deliver them to fans. That's, that's something that gives me a lot, of, a lot of joy and a lot of happiness. I think we're all looking for you to pop up all over everywhere, uh, and uh, <laughs> that means sports will be back in a big way. Adam, thank Amen. you for joining us. Thank you for joining thank you, us boys. today. Appreciate, Appreciate it very much. Appreciate it. All right. See you, Adam. Adam Take Amin, care, Bears preseason and Bulls games. Uh, that's uh, was a nice little drop in. He popped up on Saturday suckage, Mark. Right, that's yeah, part of did. being and a pop-up broadcaster. Yeah, I would. I used to see him when I was on the the Cub circuit, be getting ready for games with Pat and Ron in the booth, and Adam would pop in and be like, "Hey, what's going on, guys? What's happening? It's me. <laughs> I'm everywhere." Uh, yeah. No, he's great, man, and he's like super talented too. Like I, I didn't want to give the impression that he. That it's like he's just everywhere and it's exhausting. It's like every everything he does is like crystal clear and spot on. So I'm a little jealous, to be honest with you. Um, that, uh, that age? Come on. That's too yeah. young to be a pop-up broadcaster. Right, right. Getting getting some really choice stuff. Top of the hour, we will talk some baseball, by the way, with James Fox of, of Future Sox. And there's a good deal of baseball news. We'll take a break. When we come back... Let's continue the discussion about the last dance. What do you say, Mark? We carry that on? I say yes. I say yes, Steve. All right. I just I'm, I just clicked like. I did it again. I'm, you, you, just, you just popped up and clicked to like. We're broadcasting <laughs> live from the Hyundai studios. Uh, I want to bring you this from the tech zone. The tech zone, by the way, is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at RosenHyundai.com. And... We have the WB. The, here's the upset with this tweet. We have a WB club member checking in. I recently had a WB shower thought. Each time you light your lighter, it gets lighter until it gets so light it won't light. LOL. Now, the only upset is that that comes from 773 and not the 815. I just want to say that. So, how about the random ooh. 773? So how about Adele? She got so hot. Right, sure. There, so the 773 is the new 815 we're discovering. <laughs> That's Correct. great. She did lose some weight, Adele. <laughs> she did. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll discuss more Last Dance, some stuff you might not know, some stuff you might not be expecting coming up. We'll see if they cover it. He's Mark Grody. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Thanks for joining us on Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Never bet on games. I only bet on myself. You know, that was golf. Uh, do I like to play blackjack? Yeah, I like playing blackjack. There's no laws with that. And the league did call me in. They asked questions about it, you know, and I told them exactly what was happening. That's Michael Jordan talking about He's gambling, going to Atlantic City during the Knicks series, 93, and um, the ruckus it raised. And and that was last week's uh, story about The Last Dance. We're coming up on episode seven and eight, which will take, 
which will probably include retirement and baseball and a comeback and the famous facts, the two-word facts, I'm back. And we are back. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Rohde, Saturday Suckage, here for you, hoping to make your quarantine less sucky. So, Mark, what did you come away with from last week's episodes of The Last Dance? Well, I I think what they're built what they've been building up to and the part that um, that we're gonna see more on tonight is the, the build up to his first retirement and what they are indicating strongly is that his retirement has everything to do with the exhaustion, the mental exhaustion that he is experiencing due to the pressure of the gambling and, and the stories out of New York and all Atlantic City and all of that. And I, and they're, I guess they're trying to provide that clarity. Um, at least that's what I think is going to be, you know, unraveled in the next episode. But I, I guess I'm prepared to still be very skeptical about that. And, here, and here's why, Steve. Because it's not like when Jordan retired... He stepped out of the limelight. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't go into hiding the way you would expect one to do if they were truly exhausted by all the attention they were getting, and some of it negatively. He goes and plays baseball. And I get it, that it's a different animal, that he's not a superstar in baseball, but he's still very much in the public eye and that. So I don't think we are ever going to get complete clarity on why a man of this, you know, ferocity when it comes to competitiveness, why he why he did retire that first time and and, and almost like as if he had a plan to come back, you know, from from day one. So those are my thoughts. I'm I'm prepared to be skeptical is what it is, Steve. Well, you should be probably in your bloodstream you've heard for two and a half decades about, well, his father was murdered, it was over gambling debts, and, and Michael was forced to go on a vacation, and that story has been around. I've yet to see concrete proof of it. Um, uh, he is, I know uh, Missy wrote a story about he just, he just was, he was tired of being Michael Jordan basketball player, and this was something different. And that competitive the competitive side of him, that thing that drove him, is what drove him to baseball as well. He was at an age where this is this is it, the last chance. This is my this is my chance to do this, to try to do it at a different level and be a two sports star. So I could see how that scratched that itch for him. How that wait that wait do you, do you buy that do you buy that what you were saying about what Melissa Isaacson reported that he was tired I, I could, of being MJ basketball player I don't buy I that could, that's I could see he was worn out by it I I could really? I could understand I could understand how he was worn out by it with what we've seen I don't think it was something he couldn't overcome his father was murdered and then um, his world changed dramatically so I don't know. I've not had, for all the talks I've had with them, that was not anything that I've sat down and done any kind of psychoanalysis with. So, but I do well, believe it's possible. Yeah, no, I, I, I can understand, like, I, I can't even begin to think of how that, like, if, if a family member is murdered, let alone one's father, I can't even begin to put myself in that psychological state, that's for sure. However, basketball is Michael Jordan's 
identity. That's what it's been his entire life, and then the competitiveness that goes along with that. So to really strip his identity, like completely topple that, undo it, and step away from it, I don't know. I just find that that hard to believe. I don't think it had anything to do with the... Like the like the gambling stuff, I've never bought that. Like he he was asked to, because look, if you're gonna punish Michael Jordan for gambling, then just suspend the guy. Then say yeah, you know what, you're suspended for the first 40 games of next year. Like this whole conspiracy that he was <laughs> he had to retire, like that was part of his punishment. I can't get on board with that because they could have done that publicly and people would have hated it, and Jordan would have hated it. But they they could have done that. They had the power to do that if they had felt he was guilty of something that violated NBA rules as well. But I just, man, like Jordan to me, like people say he's a complicated guy. I don't think he's that complicated. You know what I mean? He is he is hyper competitive. He is about basketball. He is about making money and being a businessman and being enterprising. And there's a lot there's not a lot more to him. You know what I mean? He's not political. His opinions are not out there. He's a fierce competitor, who, and sometimes his competitiveness gets the best of him. I'll agree with that. I, I, I will agree. Um, I also know what what a burden it seemed to be, what it could have been, how he responded to that. Um, look, I've never had a family member murdered, and I've never been as high profile as Michael Jordan. I can't imagine that. And And maybe if he thought he couldn't do it, as Michael Jordan again, then he wasn't going to do it. And he needed a sabbatical, and he took baseball. There are a couple of things from last... You know, when they showed the, 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 the Knicks series that finally ended, the Charles Smith game was the, the most... Fa- that, that's the game they won in the, <laughs> in the Garden that they had to win. Game yeah. six, when the Knicks... When the Bulls beat them in the stadium, they'd left out and... Pat Riley kept the team at the hotel until it was well past the media access time to the the locker rooms. And when they got off the bus about a half hour before tip-off, they were all wearing fatigues. He had his Riley's army all march in in fatigues before game six. Mm -hmm. And then Jordan marched him out the door. (laughs) And the, the, the... Phoenix series, they didn't show when Charles walking past Scotty at the free throw line in game six. Where are you going? Where are you going for dinner Tuesday night? Where are you going for dinner? Because the game was on a Sunday. Where are you going for dinner Tuesday night? Want to come to my house for dinner before game seven? Charles was mouthing off. And then the Bulls had that. The Bulls came back. And Michael Jordan had all but three points in the fourth quarter to cap the comeback and the championship. And we know John Paxson had the other three. One of the things that makes that play that that people noticed in the wake of it, and I'm several days later, everybody in the floor touched the ball. All five, mm. and and which was which underscored the way the unselfish way that the Bulls were meant to play the game. But if you notice before the shot, Horace Grant is under the basket. He's got a bunny. He's got a lay-in. He's got the game tying shot there. He's got he's got the shot that is going to be that that John Paxson was never going to take if Horace does. But Horace Grant had missed every shot in game five, games five and six. Horace was afraid to shoot. 
Horace was afraid to attempt a layup and, and, and rather pass out to John Paxson for a three-point shot. That was how that three-point shot came to be, and John Paxson's legend grew until it became so untenable that <clears throat> we couldn't stand to see him run the team anymore. But Horace Grant had missed every shot in games five and six. That's amazing. I hadn't even thought about that because up until this very second, I always looked at that as the unsung assist from Horace Grant. That <laughs> that it was. There was a reason. Hey, man. There was. Yeah, there was a reason was for a reason. that assist. Right. Like, I always Grant. like thought that th- that's always a great trivia question. Like, who had the assist on the John Pat? It was Horace Grant with that well goggled pass that he made. I hadn't even thought about him being gun shy at that point that is that's interesting i I also like the the you know charles barkley factor in that about how pissed he was that basically the city of chicago had been planning its celebration getting places boarded up getting the police and security beefed up and and then then phoenix comes in and spoils the party for one day and then charles kind of Kind of had you know had fun with that in the post game, I and mean, he was uh, he was PO'd about that that whole thing. But the Bulls eventually eventually got theirs. But I I did I was amused by the the Barkley factor. I wish wish they had played the whole thing because it was it was so vivid when he was when he he said after game five that the Bulls were supposed to win and that would be the coronation and the and the Suns won it. He walks into the post game and said, "We saved the city." We saved the city. (laughs) Y'all can take that bleep off the windows now. He says, I was walking down Michigan Avenue today. I saw all the wood up. I thought I was back on the hood. But we saved the city. (laughs) Y'all can take that bleep off the windows now. It was just a terrific rant. Just terrific. Hey, I will always contend this about Charles Barkley. It has been my theory for a long time that Charles Barkley was the initiator the the starter of the fir- the the hot take the hot take as we know it today I think Charles Barkley was first as a player and then as a broadcaster I think the hot take goes back to Barkley but in Barkley's case the hot take is genuine the rest of us not always okay I'll uh, I'll go along with that anybody who claims he was misquoted in his own autobiography <laughs> Here's the, that's the perfect. That's both sides of the hot take. Here, I got I a thought so. for you. Oh, wow, it's wrong. I didn't know I thought uh, that. Oh, uh, yeah. We'll take a break. We have more time. I have more stuff for you uh, on the last dance. We'll get back to that later. After a break, we'll come back. We'll talk some baseball with James Fox of Future Sox. They've, they've got draft plans. They've got season plans. They might not have a season. We will we will talk about that. After this, Rosenblum and Grody, Saturday Suckage. Thanks for joining us. We hope we're making your quarantine a little easier, a little better. We're trying to suck so your self-isolation doesn't have to. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.